Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. What up, everybody? Welcome to church. What's up, everybody online? Welcome to Fierce. My name is Pastor Mark Carter. I'm so excited to talk to everybody today. As we start the new year, you'd think we might be talking about goals. You'd think we might be talking about things that we're planning on doing, but we're actually starting by talking about rest. We're going to talk about patterns and pace. Wave to somebody, say patterns and pace. If you're writing in the chat, write patterns and pace. Patterns and pace. Before we start, I want to remind you that God is a God of all grace. He's the God of all grace. Grace is unmerited favor. It means somebody's really sweet on you, even though you did things wrong against them. That's how God feels about us. So if you ever feel like you're showing up at church and you're, man, I don't know if I'm, if I'm, in, if I'm good enough with God to be here right now, um, check it out. You're not, but that's why there's grace. That's why there's grace. He wants to draw us close. His, his arms are always open wide. If you're ever going to church where Jesus is God and he's God everywhere, but where they're worshiping Jesus as God, you can always be assured that his arms are open wide. He's not angry. He's not ready to be stern with you. See, the poison of sin was sucked out at the cross, which means God now views everyone in Christ through the lens of Jesus. Jesus' obedience, Jesus' record, no longer counting our sins against us, no longer counting the things we've done wrong against him. Instead, he's just looking at us with hearts of love and mercy and readiness to bless. You can write amen if this is already pretty good. Amen. So patterns and praise. Hey, um, they already mentioned it once, but in case you weren't in here, this month, the Grove begins, okay? That's the midweek community of small groups. And I want to encourage you, some of you have heard about this. If you've heard about emotionally healthy spirituality or emotionally healthy relationships that we did in 2021, this is pretty similar to those. In fact, we'll make those a part of the Grove coming up here throughout the year. But the Grove is a place for us to grow together, to study God's word, to sharpen one another in fellowship. And here's what I've decided. I think you should just sign up, okay? So you just should sign up. Now, some are like, well, Carter, I want to wait and see. I want to want to see what happens. You know what? The thing, the thing with spiritual growth is you got to be forceful with it because there's something within us that resists God's stuff, resists Jesus' stuff. You and I all have it. It's just we just resist it. So here's what I'm suggesting. Why don't you sign up? And then if you get to the point when we get to the 26th of January, which is when it starts, and you're like, you know, it turns out I can't do it. Well, then you can just unsign up. Okay, you just, you just oh God, turns out I'm not going. You ain't buying a house. It ain't a contract, okay? There's, there's nothing you got to do. Lawyers aren't going to show up at your, at your home. Um, instead, why don't you just say, I'm going to commit to doing this because I think God might be in it for me, and he can let me know. Sometimes you give, you give him a couple weeks, and he'll let you know if you're not supposed to do it. But why don't we just all be bold and do what's healthy and wise? If that space is open for you Wednesday or Thursday night, I would encourage you, hey, man, don't think about it. Don't think about it. Just do it. When I was a little kid, my brothers would say, hey, Carter, hey, they didn't call me Carter because their names were Carter too. Hey, Mark, you're going to jump off this cliff? Don't think about it. Just do it. Like, It'll be fun. Don't think about it. You're overthinking about it. Just, just, just jump. And when I jumped, it was really good. So I just want to challenge you spiritually. Jump. Just jump. Don't think about it. Just jump. Just take the plunge. So let's talk about rest. Patterns and pace. Patterns and pace. Something was missing for me. 
and I don't know what it was. See, some of you remember this past spring, if you were around, I had to take an emergency sabbatical. I had to eject and get out of here. And what a sabbatical is, that means I'm taking three months away, and I'm just, I've got to get away from work. I've got to get away from all ministry responsibilities. It had been 14 years, and pastors were supposed to take those, but I didn't take them. And so I needed to eject and get out of here. But there was something bugging me because part of my paradigm mm, just didn't work right. Part of my hypothesis seemed to not be proving true. Here was my hypothesis. Listen, even when you've got a really hard job, even when you have a really taxing job, if you will take a Sabbath regularly, if you will spend regular time with God, yes, life will still be hard, but God will constantly be re-energizing you, okay? Kind of like the alternator to your car, okay? Like you're driving, and that thing just recharges the battery. And, and in the same way, I'm thinking, okay, well, my, my, my Sabbath time, like every week we take a Sabbath, and it's like a real one. It's not like a fake one. It's like we're doing other things while we're doing it. And every day I have a couple hours with God. Like, that was my reality. And so as I'm getting to the sabbatical, I'm like, something about my paradigm is breaking here. This should have worked. Why do I even have to have a sabbatical? My alternator should have been re-energizing me, and it wasn't. Has God ever messed with your paradigm? You ever had a set of assumptions, and I was like, ah, (laughs) it's time to learn to not be quite so confident that you truly understand how this works. So we're jumping into a series called Secret Passage. And Secret Passage, what we're really, we'll explain it more next week, but what we're really doing is we're, we're looking for the ancient ways. So often we want a new way. We want a brand new New Year's program. Hey man, let me get the latest version of P90X or Taibo. And instead, we're saying, I'm going to actually go back. I'm going to go back and look for the ancient ways because underneath is real solid ground. It's the way of Jesus. And Jesus, here's what we don't know about Jesus. We sometimes think that Jesus, when he would talk about discipling people, was largely just about teaching them to learn stuff. When we talk about discipleship in a church, if, if you even know, if you're familiar with that term, you probably have thoughts of like, oh, so there's like a book and, and some kind of curriculum that you're, you're learning the things. And the problem with that view of discipleship is it makes Christianity largely about assertions. It makes it largely about things you would believe rather than things you do. See, Christianity is a bodily religion. It's a religion for the body. It's not just like sweet talk when the Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's not just poetic. That means God wanted vessels that he could physically inhabit to do the things that he would want to do. So when we apprentice to Jesus, which is maybe a little bit better way of talking about discipleship nowadays, when we apprentice to Jesus, what do you do when you're an apprentice? Well, you're following someone, if, if, if you're in a trade, right? Or you're, you're learning how to do sales. You follow that person around, and when they pick up a hammer, you're like, okay, that's how you do that. That's how you hold that, right? This is how you try to, you know, this is how you talk to a customer, and this is how you try to close a deal. But you're with them, and you're watching what they do. And that's what we really should be doing with Jesus. See, to apprentice Jesus means I'm looking at what he does, I'm trying to be like him, and I'm trying to do what he would do in the different circumstances that I find myself. In every season, in every stage, I'm saying, well, Jesus, okay, you're with me here. You want to live through my body. You want me to actually do things, not just believe things. And what are those things that Jesus would do? So what might surprise you is when Jesus was discipling his apprentices, is he said, one of the things that you're not going to totally understand, you might not even believe me, 
that I'm really all about in my bodily religion, in my inhabitation of you, as I teach you the way of Jesus, one thing that you might be surprised about is the priority, the all-important lesson of rest. Rest. It's a big deal. It's a big lesson. It's an important thing. It's one that we push off nowadays. But listen to this, Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. How many had a wearying or burdening 2021? Do you have any burdens? Have any stuff that's like, oh, oh, I'm getting tired of carrying this thing. Getting tired of these people. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. That's strange language. We'll have to pull that apart. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He says, Come to me, like be with me, be my apprentice, walk alongside me, learn the way I do it, see my heart, see how I think about things, learn how to rest. This word rest, it's really the Greek word is anapasis, and here's a a version of a definition. This is like what the sense means in this particular passage. It's a ceasing from activity that results in a feeling of refreshing tranquility. How many would like some of that? And an absence of tension or worry. That sounds pretty good. And what Jesus is trying to tell us is, hey man, if you want to live up to your true potential, your true potential in Christ, if you want to apprentice me in such a way that you are unleashed to have the most dramatic impact possible during your sojourn on earth, you've got to get this lesson down and you've got to learn in every season, to come to me and learn how to rest. Everybody knows this, but I'm just going to review some ideas here. You get thirsty up here in front of all these lights, yo. I promise it's not booze. Some of y'all are they're like, what's in that thing? It's just an energy drink. It's pastor juice, pastor energy. We all know this, but when we rest, our bodies replenish. You know that, right? Like when you actually rest, you can do things faster. You're smarter. You can do what might take you four hours only takes you one hour. Dude, I find if I just like try to get a bunch of work done before 10 a.m., it's like everything between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. takes way longer than everything between like 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. Like you just get a whole lot more done when you're refreshed. When you're ready, because your body is ready. We retain more information. It's easier to operate in wisdom. Our emotions get replenished when we rest. You've seen this with somebody that came, you know, maybe they're on your team at work or in your class and they went away on vacation and they came back and you're like, whoa, you know, you don't want to offend them. You're like, man, you were, dog, you were kind of haggard. I mean, you look great now, but holy cow, you were bad. Like, You got better looking because you went on vacation. And it's because their emotions were replenished. When we are living with very low levels of rest, what happens? Well, we become more unpleasant to be around. And this really impacts teams and families. See, if you're just kind of ornery on your own, nobody cares. Like you're just in your apartment, nobody even knows. You know what I'm saying? But when you're a part of a team and when you're a part of a family, your orneriness gets on people. Because we're underrested, and that's affecting how they're seeing things. It's affecting maybe some of the things you even do. Easy things just become harder. And this is really bad when the stakes start to go up. It's fine when you have nothing really important going on. But when you have like a big sale to close, 
you got a really important client coming in, or you've got a really important meeting, and, and you're tense, and you're ornery, and the whole team is... You know, we get this way around Christmas. we got to watch out here, here at church, because Christmas is a big time. Easter is a big time. And so everyone's got to stay rested and refreshed, because you start snarling at people suddenly, because you didn't get enough sleep. And we can all get that way when we're under-rested. Here's what else happens. We get in a hurry, and we miss opportunities to love. So I don't know about you. I'm the worst version of a dad when I'm in a hurry. I don't love well when I'm hurrying. I'm the worst version of a pastor when I'm hurrying. Because I don't love, I don't have time. I don't have time to actually listen. I don't have time to slow down. I'm like, let me make sure I'm understanding this rightly. just, Just respond. When we are just responding, we are making mistakes. Here's what we say around here sometimes. We say the rested are smart and strong. You might have seen this on the screens. The rested are smart and strong. We learned early on in ministry, we got to tell people, we got a message, you got to rest, dude. Otherwise, you're going to... The inverse of that statement is really what we're after. Um, the unrested are stupid and weak. And that's really true. Like We found that to be true. I don't know if you found that. The unrested are, are dumber. They're just not making a smart... It doesn't mean like insulting anybody. I'm saying your ability to make smart decisions decreases when you're under-rested. And here's what gets really jacked up. You start to feel guilty. If, if you let this live in you too long, you start to feel guilty for resting. Anybody experience that? You start to, as a pattern, as a habit, you are resisting rest. And if Jesus is right, and we're supposed to be apprenticing him, we're supposed to be doing what he says, and rest is a big deal to him, and we're, we're like internalizing, resisting rest, that might be a little bit jacked up. So we've got to pull this apart. We've got to understand that going slower and resting is my friend. Here's what I, one of the things I had to learn during my sabbatical. When I'm going too fast, I just miss stuff, and I miss God. And, and what's confusing about it is because I'm still hearing him. But I'm, I'm going so fast. I've got so many priorities. I've got so many irons in the fire that I hear him enough to move on, but not enough to hear him deeply and get instructions about certain things. And when you don't get instructions about certain things, you waste a lot of time. You get hurt in ways that you didn't need to if you just would have been going slower and asking God, can you just... Help me see this from your perspective. Because I've got a plan, but I've learned that my plan isn't always the right plan. God's got creativity that I don't have. God's got wise solutions. They just give you a word of wisdom. Boom. And it's like, oh my gosh, that's 10 times smarter than the thing I was going to do. But when we're going too fast, you don't have time to do that. Because you got to get to the next thing. Somebody say amen if this is helping you. Here's Here's where we become weary and burdened. A lot of it has to do with competition and discontent. Competition and discontent. Listen to what Ecclesiastes 4, I'm going to start in verse 4, it says, here's Solomon, these are the collected sayings of Solomon. And Solomon is saying, I'm looking at the whole world and I'm going to weigh in on something that I see. He says, I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Verse 6 says, but One handful with tranquility. There's that beautiful word again, tranquility. One hand with tranquility is better than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. That chasing after the wind, it means it's futile. 
means it's a, it's, a, it's a wisp. It's a puff of smoke. You ever have that just split second where you like, you put your coffee or your tea down and then just for a minute, there's like a, there's like a, there's just a little bit of coffee smoke. You know what I'm talking about? Just a little vapor. And God is saying, yeah, when you're just got two hands full of toil, because you're trying to achieve something better than the next guy or better than the next girl. Are you seeing somebody on social media and you're like, well, I could probably do that and I want to do that too. God says, when you're clinging so tightly that you don't even have time to rest, a lot of what you're doing is a, it's a puff of air. It's not going to amount to anything. It's not going to mean anything. And here's what else. Here, I'm, I'm, I'm going to diss your social media for a second if you're a big social media fan. Here's what else it does wrong. It robs God of thanksgiving. It robs him of thanksgiving and creates discontent. See, one of the cures for discontent is thankfulness. But I don't thank God when I see all your stuff. I'm like, well, they got that over there. Man, that's pretty. Why did God give them that and not me? And then I see that. Oh, my word. Well, that's pretty awesome. Here's another thing I don't have. And all that's doing is creating discontent about what's not in my life and what opportunities I didn't get and all that. And instead of, well, God, you know, I like this thing. You know, my my car isn't brand new, but I like it. Well, God, you know, I got this over here and you gave me that and that was pretty doggone. You didn't have to do that. And yet I have this. And it robs us of contentment and robs God of praise because we're just, our eyes are on what everybody else is doing. I want to give you a little friendly challenge. I did this in 2021 and it really helped. Now, God's not saying to do this. This is just me with a challenge. Take social media apps off your phone. So that if you really want to check social media, you've got to like sit down at a real computer and look at it. And here's what you're going to find after a while. You're going to stop missing them. You're going to stop doing that mindless scroll, that zombie scroll. Anybody know about the zombie scroll? You're just zing, zing. You're just going and going, and, and nothing profitable in the universe is happening other than you are like dazed and confused. That's all that's happening. Well, my challenge is, to, I'm not saying anything about its, its moral value. All I'm saying is, if you want to feel a little less eyes on everybody else and focused on your own business with the Lord, I want to challenge you for a year, take all, all apps off your phone and you'll stop even wanting to put them back on. Jesus says, come to me. Here's one, one other way we get this wrong. <clears throat> he says, come to me, not when you finished all your stuff. He didn't say, when you're done, when you feel like, uh, that's good, then come to me and I'll give you rest. He just said, come to me whether or not you feel done, whether or not you feel like the task list is accomplished. Just come to me before you're finished. So what we've got to get down, we're going to see it in the scripture, patterns and pace, patterns and pace. Jesus is going to teach us. We're going to walk with him. He's going to teach us, here's the patterns and here's the pace that we need to have. Now, the pattern of Sabbath and the pattern of Sabbath rest has always been on God's heart. It's always been on God's mind. We can go back to the very uh, first books of the Old Testament and we see God prioritizing Sabbath rest. Listen to this. This is Exodus 23, 12. It says, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but on the seventh day, you must stop working. Why does God care about that? A few verses later, he says, and and by the way, I want your animals to rest. I want your animals to rest? Isn't that kind of weird? I think this is one of the things God is saying. One of the reasons I want you to rest and I want your animals to rest 
is because you will abuse even yourself. How many of you have ever seen a show? You saw a movie, you saw something where somebody's like a villain probably is like whipping a horse. Like, go, go, or it's like a, you know, it's an ox or something, they're just whipping them. And you feel as the audience, you're like, uh, you're being so cruel to this animal. You know, he's, he's out. They don't have any energy left. And there's something, there's righteous indignation that says, that's just not the way you should treat an animal. Well, God knows, um, you guys, you're not animals, but like animals, you will mistreat you. You'll keep cracking the whip on yourself. And you can't see that you're mistreating God's creature, but God says, so I'm baking it in. As a, as a moral command, not something you're justified before God with. This doesn't replace the grace of God. You're on, we're only ever right with God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. But there's moral commands God wants us to obey, like don't kill people, like don't commit adultery, and take one day a week as a regular form of rest because you will be cruel to yourself if you don't. And God says, I love that creature. That's my creature. And just like I don't want you abusing the animals, I don't want you abusing what is mine. Perseverance is really important as, as a Christian ethic. Like, life's tough, and there's stuff we've got to persevere about. But working ourselves to exhaustion is cruel to God's creature, you, and it's really poor stewardship. You're not going to get as much mileage out of that animal, and you're not going to get as much mileage out of you. So God says, do a Sabbath. Here's what my Sabbath tends to look like, okay? We've been operating in Sabbath for years. And dude, it's a little mini holiday, right? Like right every week. It's awesome. So, and it takes, you know, you, you, in different stages, you got to set it up a little bit different. But in the stage we're in right now, okay, so sa- Sabbath comes around and we take a little bit more time in the morning with God, maybe sleep in a little bit, have a big breakfast. We might go out to the mall as a family. We might watch a movie. Who knows what we're going to do, but we're going to be together. And, and the, the attitude is everybody chill. And the rule is, if you should do it, you shouldn't do it. That's how you know if you're breaking Sabbath. If you feel like, oh, man, I should do this, I should do it. No, that's the thing you shouldn't do then, because that's robbing you of refreshment. That's robbing you of the re-energizing and pleasure that Sabbath is supposed to bring about. So if you should do it, you shouldn't do it. Now, what you have to know about this rest thing, it's going to mean, just like it meant for our Old Testament counterparts, it means there's going to occasionally be a big opportunity, and you're going to have to miss it in order to obey this command. You're going to have to not do it. You're going to have to be like, yeah, I need to rest. There's always going to be something that comes along. It's often not even big opportunities. It's little things. Wow, but I could do that. Or, or they want us to come over. Yeah, let's just, just find a way to let Jesus win. You know what I'm saying? Like, let, let's quit submitting to family members and friends and disobeying God, okay? Let's just find a way to honor the Sabbath, and we'll be a whole lot more refreshed. And it means you're going to have to just say no to some stuff. So we have our Sabbath, and guys, I got to tell you, man, like it is the best day of the week every doggone week because there's just a stillness that enters in. It's not about the activities. It is about, it's so awesome to just catch your breath. Somebody say, catch your breath. Now this is learned learned. It's learned long-term. It's learned again and again when you have to repeat something. Okay, we're going to repeat the lesson and repeat the lesson and repeat the lesson. Let's keep on learning it. We learn it through apprenticing Jesus. Just take my yoke. Take my yoke. A yoke 
for those who aren't familiar with that tool, okay, it's kind of like a bar board that would attach to two animals that are hopefully, you know, proportional to one another, so they have the same amount of strength. Holds these two animals together, two ox or donkeys, whatever, and helps them to pull a large load. And Jesus says, you're going to have to take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So that means you're, you're, you're shoulder to shoulder with Jesus. Are we picturing this? Shoulder to shoulder with Jesus. He says, it is a yoke, by the way. Don't believe anybody that says, man, Christianity is just, it's just super easy and barely an inconvenience. Like, it's not. There is a version of effort and work that is happening, but Jesus says, don't worry, because with my yoke, it fits you just right. It fits just the way. The world will give you all kinds of yokes that don't really fit. I'll give you a yoke that not only fits just right, but you're with me. So I'm helping you pull everything that you need to pull. And I promise you'll learn. I mean, that sound just sounds weird. I'm going to learn rest while in effort. If you do it with Jesus, you will. You'll learn how to rest and you'll learn his heart. And it's a process. And what happens when we're under this yoke is we get this sigh of relief. You ever had that moment where everything's just good with you and God? Have you had one of those? Where you feel like, I don't know everything I possibly could, but I feel up to date with what he wants me to know. I feel like, as far as I understand, I'm doing everything God wants me to do. That's what comes when we're walking shoulder to shoulder with Jesus in his friendly, easy, helpful, refreshing yoke. Listen to the way the message puts it. I like the way the language here paints us a vibrant picture. Verse 28, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. It's so awesome that Jesus knows exactly what we need, but we have to learn it. We have to learn it in the season that we're in. See, our seasons of rest Life changes. So we have to learn in the new season, how does God want me to rest here? So we should be asking the question, and as I go into 2022, if my life's a little bit different than it was a few years ago, okay, God, what does rest look like here? We, we shouldn't think we got this down pat. I, I, dude, I got the rest lesson. Well, good. I'm glad you got the basics. But now you're at a different place. Now you're a little bit older. You've got a little bit different understanding of things, and your situation might be a little bit different. You, can, you can't see as many people. Or maybe there's a few more people that you need to see. Whatever you got to do, we learn. We go back to you and say, Lord, will you teach me again? How do I do it here? How do I rest from where I am? And here's the gospel goodness of it. Rest is something that Jesus wants to give you. Think about that for a second. Jesus wants to give you rest. He's not like, uh, and if, if you're really, you know, wimpy, I guess you could, you know, run this rest app. He doesn't say that. He says, you know, it'd be great. Why don't you come to me and we'll be together and I'll be able to show you exactly how I do it. Why? Because I want you to enjoy sweet rest with me. That's where the God, just like Jesus takes care of our sin issues, He says, I don't want you feeling guilty the rest of your life. Okay, you repent, you ask for forgiveness, I give it to you. I died to cover all your sin, and baby, boy, it is covered. It's covered. I don't want you to be working back into my favor all day. You have my favor. Now, when you sin again, repent again, 
it'll be all right. I ain't going to leave you. And we'll keep on walking because he takes care of your issue. And he says, I want to take care of all the rest of the issues too. You're tired, always tired issue, always grumpy issue, always kind of falling behind. Really? You're getting diminishing returns. I want to take care of that issue because I'm a God of grace and I want you to rest. So how do we do it? We have to have a, a switch of how we, we're seeing God see us. And that comes about by saying, I am a beloved child of my father. As a beloved child of my father, whose father wants them to enjoy rest, who has a savior who's made up for all my misses. See, sometimes when we're resting, we're like, ah, oh, but there's other things I'm, I'm, I'm letting drop. I'm, I'm, they're getting away from me. No, listen, let Jesus be everything to you. Jesus makes up for my misses. I might miss a few things. Jesus has got me. He's going to honor those who honor him. He's going to honor because I'm prioritizing rested time with him. He'll find a way to make it up to me. He'll find a way. He fills in my gaps. Somebody say, Jesus fills in my gaps. Right in the chat, Jesus fills in my gaps. See, there, there's, there's little things that we do wrong or miss all the time. And Jesus, because of his love for us, because of the blood, he just fills in the gaps. He's like, yeah, I know. I got you. I'm filling in the gaps. Because I have a savior who wants to fill in my gaps, then I can rest. And I can rest scheduled. I can rest on a scheduled Sabbath because God loves me. I can have a day where we've planned to do nothing. He said, ah, Carter, I don't know if you can do that in this time. You can. God hasn't commanded you to do something you can't do. You might need to be a little bit creative and you might need to relearn in this season. It's different than it was before. And you might have to try, you know, I tried that. Keep trying to obey and see if God doesn't teach. He teaches you in the way you should go. As you're going, he teaches you in the way you should go. He shows you, okay, yeah, not that. No, not that. Okay, come on, let's try again. Okay, keep trying. Don't just opt out. And if we will give ourselves to, so here's, here's one of your challenges. You choose a Sabbath. If you don't have one, you're going to choose a Sabbath. And sometimes you're in a weird stage of life and it's got to be, well, I'm going to do half this day and half the other day. And that's how I can do it right now. And I'm not saying that's perfect. I'm just saying I've had to do it that way. Like, if that's what you've got, give God what you've got and see what he grows in it. Also, sleep. This is killing some of us. I like this quote from Mike Hyatt. Our society puts a high value on achievement, but not much on rest. Experts say we need about eight hours a night, but the national average is about 6.8. We act like sleep is a luxury or an indulgence. As a result, sacrificing sleep in the name of productivity has become routine. But the opposite's true. Cheating our sleep is like maxing our credit cards. There's a benefit now, at least it feels like it, but the bill always comes due in the form of decreased health and mental ability. I'll tell you, as Kenzie and I ascend into our mid-40s, we are loving the go-to-bed-early thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, for years, we work hard in, you know, into the night. You know, 11 p.m. is like, oh, man, well, maybe we should think about shutting it down. But this sleeping in on the front end, dude, if you go to bed, we don't always get to do this, but if you go to bed at 9, dude, you can get a lot of sleep. You know what I'm saying? And still get up early. Like, it's amazing. So I, don't want, I want to commend to some of us, try the going to bed on the front end, or sleeping in on the front end. Part. You might find that it helps. I'm doing this thing most of the time where I take naps now, 20-minute naps in the afternoon. About 2.15, I'm going to tank. That's, where, that's my lowest energy level of the day, and I've, I've like measured it. That's my lowest energy level. I'll lie down. I don't have a couch or anything in my office. I literally I lie down on the floor, okay? Tell Surrey, don't say anything. Um, 20 minutes, you know, wake me up. It's a power nap, dude. But you know what? I wake up, and I've got, I've got some cognitive power back just because of that. 
maybe that's not what it is for you, but something, some way that you are, I'm not just going, 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 going. And then there's spontaneous rest. This is just where, okay, so Jesus, he's in this ministry season with the disciples. Okay, we're look at this in Mark 6, 31. And the people are coming and going. He says, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there's so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't have time to eat. Okay, so their busyness is affecting self-care. And Jesus says, you know, we don't really have any commitments here. Like, yeah, I'm here so people come find me, but we could, like, we got a minute. Let's punk out of here, dude. Come on, let's zip away. Let's get out of here. It's Now, I don't think Jesus is commending that we go back on our commitments. Obviously, he, didn't, he wasn't doing that. But where we can find him, hey, man, go grab an ice cream cone or go you know, to Starbucks or go on a walk, whatever you got to do to create spontaneous rest and margin. I got one more point in me. You think you can handle it? Yeah. Are you rested enough to be able to receive it? Yeah. Okay. When we see ourselves as a beloved child whose father wants us to enjoy rest, whose Savior has fulfilled all of our obediences and has filled in all of our misses, we can go at a pace that is slow enough to listen deeply to Jesus and see what he wants us to do in each season. This is what was missing for me. I had the patterns. I didn't have the pace. The pace was crushing me. Last May, it was crushing me, man. And it's because I was trying to do too many things. I just had too much in the truck. I looked this up online to make sure it's true. And you can get about 3,000 pounds into a pickup truck before you're going to start doing damage to the truck. That means it doesn't matter if the alternator's on. It doesn't matter if it's re-energizing as it goes. If you put 7,000 pounds on that truck, it's not going anywhere. You can break it. If you put 7,000 pounds on you and me, we have a capacity. If we try to do 20 things per day, every day, you're going to break the truck. I know that some are like, oh, I can do it. Well, maybe you'll get a season like me where God's messing with your paradigms. But there's a pace where we say, I can't carry this much. This is too many things. It's too many things to hear God about. It's too many things to try to get done per day. So I'm just not going to do it. And here's the idolatry that was going on in my mind. Are you ready? I was trying to be the vine instead of the branch. Jesus told me this. He said, Carter, you're... <laughs> That's my job. I'm the vine. You're just a branch. See, I wanted to be the perfect pastor for you. I wanted to be the perfect husband. I, wanted to... I didn't want to let anybody down. I wanted to get all the things done. I wanted them to applaud as I walked down the street. There goes a pastor who gets it done. But what I really wanted, I wanted to be a little mini Jesus to everybody. And Jesus told me, you're not a mini Jesus. In fact, he didn't say this like this. But like, you're a rather terrible Messiah. <laughs> and I suspect maybe you are too. We're not supposed to be the vine. We're just a branch. People are going to have needs. Honey, go to the vine. Go to Jesus. I can't make that happen for you. You're just going to have to go do it yourself. And here's what I found out. God has given me enough time to do what he wants me to do. And if there's a bunch of stuff that I'm not getting done, it's because there's a bunch of stuff God doesn't want me to do. Let me say that again. If there's a bunch of stuff I'm not getting done, it's because there's a bunch of stuff God doesn't want me to do. He's given me enough time for the season I'm in to do the things I'm supposed to do. 
So the question becomes, well, then what are we supposed to do? I'm glad you asked. That's why we're going to do the calendar exercise. So maybe you have this in your calendar, maybe you don't. We're going to get a little nerdy in productivity here for a second. Here's what I just did this past weekend. I went back in time one year and looked at all the different events that I had on my calendar, all the things we did, all the meetings, all the church things, all the family things, and just began to ask some questions. Now, if you don't have that in your calendar, just make a list as best you can. Maybe you need some help developing that list of like, here's all the things we did. And then you're going to ask some questions about it. How much fruit did this bear? Like, did this, how much help did this do anybody, especially me? Did this help me? Like, did this move my agenda forward? Or was, it, was this just a thing that was, honestly, I didn't get a great return on it. I found that when I did that during my sabbatical, I was finding I was taxing myself 2%, 3%, 5% over here, and I'm giving all these percentages to different things that weren't the primary things God called me to do, and it was making the primary things less good. That tax comes from something, and it came from my primary things of teaching and leading. So you're going to look back, and you're going to say, here's all the things. Which ones of these should I you know, hit the gas a little bit? Let's amp this up. This was really fruitful. God used this. And when I say God used it, I don't just mean he used it in somebody else's life. I mean, he used it to generate spiritual life in you. Even if it was hard. We're not saying if you find something in the counter that was, oh, that was difficult. Well, difficult often is God. He's stretching our capacity. But if it didn't produce much fruit, you're going to make a little note, okay, I'm not really going to do this necessarily anymore. And then you're going to start cutting, okay? Cutting. What are the things that, yeah, that doesn't bear a ton of fruit. I don't particularly like it. It's kind of dead in my spirit. I'm going to start getting rid of this. Now, little warning for everybody. There's certain things that are easy to cut. See, people hear a message on rest, and they're like, I got to get rid of all this stuff in my life. But they're not listening. You know what I'm saying? You're just, again, responding in your own wisdom. Instead of, yes, you might have to get rid of some stuff, but slow the boat, baby. Let's listen to God. Because some of the things you might get rid of, he wanted you to keep. Two of those things are often fellowship and serving. Fellowship and serving. See, when we're in fellowship, even though it's like, oh, you know, that's a little bit extra, people are like, I need to spend all my time with my kids, and then they completely abandon fellowship. And their kids were a thing they were supposed to do. It just wasn't the only thing. When we're in fellowship, we're learning to love others better. We're sharpening against others. And we're developing fire friends. How many know what fire friends are? Fire friends are the opposite of social media friends. Social media friends are thoughts and prayers. Hey, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. Tough time, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. Fire friends, they're with you in the fire. They're actually there. They're actually with you. Here's the problem. We don't develop fire friends unless we're in fellowship contexts. That's where you get fire friends. And it, it's a, it's a, takes some years to grow that kind of thing. Serving. When we're serving, not only are we learning to be less selfish, but we're discovering places where we're a solution. There's folks all the time who probably would be a solution to stuff we have wrong here at the church. The problem is, because they're waiting, I don't know, for a red carpet or something, they're waiting for some reason to start serving, so we don't know what their gifts are, so all these opportunities just pass them right by. Because they weren't in something maybe a little less glamorous, so we don't know how to use them. Happens all the time. So two examples of, yeah, 
be careful before you just chuck those overboard out of like wanting to always rest. Getting in God's will includes stuff that God tells us in the New Testament that he prioritizes. Then we're going to chunk. Chunking is a word that I didn't make up the word chunk, but I made up the word chunking for this particular piece of my life. Okay, Chunking means you're going to take the day and you're going to split it into chunks. These were you're actually going to do all the things. All right? And the reason we're going to use chunks, I got a marker here, is because here's what I would do. I would be doing one thing and thinking about this thing, this thing, and this thing, and I have to have a conversation with that volunteer, all while I'm in the same chunk, which means I'm not even doing this chunk very well. And when I get to this thing, now I'm thinking about what I did wrong at the last thing. So, We're mixing all the things, and we can never just focus on where we are and what we're doing. So chunking just puts some guardrails over the the primary things you're supposed to be doing. Do those. And when you're in that chunk, you don't have to think about anything else because I'm going to the chunk that I'm going to get to next, and I'll do it then. That's when I'm going to think about it. So let me show you how this works for me. As I sought God's will over 2021 and tried to get a picture of, God, what are you really calling me to do? Here's what they are. There's a quiet time. I still do quiet times. You should too. That means you have daily time with God, somehow reflecting on his word. That's chunk one for me. Well, that's the first couple hours of the day. Okay? So I get up. Then I'm going to go. These aren't really in order, just so there's five. Then I'm going to do preaching stuff, sermon writing. That's my chunk. Okay? So from like 8.30 till noon, that's what I'm doing. That's a primary for me. I learned that for a lot of trial and error. There's a lot of other stuff I was doing while I'm trying to write sermons. And it was fruitless and stressed, stressed me out big time. Um, then we've got exer- I don't know how to spell exercise. Why don't you say workout, okay? <laughs> Doggone it, there's no, there's no spell check on a whiteboard. So... This, is, this just became important to me. Like For me to have the mental clarity that I need, I just need exercise. And that's just, that might not be that way for you, but that's how I need it to happen. Then there's going to be leading for me. This is my afternoon. It's about leading stuff. It's about strategy stuff. It's about me having conversations with Jesus and others about the direction of our church and where we're going, what we're doing. And then I get home for dinner, and it's family time. Now, I can maybe, this is five chunks. I can maybe slip in email around 9, 9 p.m., most of the time, I can't think very well at 9 p.m., but the things people email me about aren't very intelligent. So it's easy to just, I'm just kidding. You might have more than five chunks. Wayne Cordillero, he calls it something else, but he says the most anybody can have is seven chunks. So what that means is I'm going to snap back to this. I'm going to have a day that messes this up, but then the next day I'm going to snap back to it. You ever seen on software, there's like alignment guides. You're like moving a square and, and you move another one. It kind of lines up and the lines appear there. It says, yep, you're in, you're in alignment. That's kind of what I'm doing with my day and these chunks. I don't always do it right, but I snap right back. Okay, next day, snap back to preaching at 8.30 a.m. That's chunking. I don't know what yours are. Now, in a different season of life, I just want to show you that this is, you're like, Carter, you got a lot of freedom. I don't have that. I hear that. I do. Um, at a different season of life, I would drive to the railroad. Okay, this was like an hour and a half at 4 a.m. And then uh, next thing I'd do is I'd work, work for like five hours. Then I have quiet time lunch in the car. Like that's how it had to go. Then work, 
<laughs> and then drive home. And then you have, you know, Kenzie and I had like 20 minutes before I had to go back to sleep so I could get up the next morning. So life changes. I don't know what yours is going to be, and it's not always easy. But the chunking helps you. I'm going to stay in this chunk so I can work on these things only, and I'm not thinking about anything else. You say, Carter, what if I have more than that? That's the aha. That's where you're going to ask God, okay, I, if it's true that it's not your will that I do things I don't have time to do, then what are the central things? And what can I let go of in order to do your will entirely and live at the pace of grace from a place of rest? The rested are smart and strong. And Jesus is inviting you and me in 2022. He's saying, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you how to do this. You don't have to know it all right now. Let me teach you the pattern and the pace. Let's pray. Heather, we just want to start this year by giving you us, giving you all of our activities, giving you all the things that we do. We consecrate our lives to you right now and say, Jesus, we want to apprentice you. We want to walk with you and do what you would do and say what you would say and give ourselves the things you would give yourself to. But you're going to have to teach us and you have to be patient with us because we get a lot wrong. I pray for a new level of wise management of our time that includes heavy doses of rest and replenishment that has the right pattern and the right pace. God, we are clay in your hands. Come and teach us the way, Jesus. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being his witness in our generation, check out Fierce.Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.